time in our service each week, we give our attention to God's word. So at the center of our service, we come to the scriptures because we believe the scriptures are God's word to us. So we read the scriptures and we study the scriptures and we teach the scriptures so that we might orient our lives according to the scriptures and encounter God in the scriptures. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand with me so that we can read God's word together. And I'll lead us through a scripture reading. You'll find it on the screen behind me. The passage is from Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Let's read this together. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. You may be seated. Let's take a moment to pray. Our Father, we still our hearts and pause our minds for a moment to have them arrested by you. We pray now that you would take our hearts, wherever they might be this particular morning, and draw them by your Spirit to your Son, to your own glory. Come do that and give us ears to hear and eyes to see and minds to understand and hearts to believe that you would overcome everything about us that would be resistant to you and your word, and you might win us over to yourself so that we might have joy, you might have glory, and there might be good all around us. Come do more than we know to ask or pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Seven Mile Road Church and all of our friends and visitors today, listen, this is one of our most favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, for us, this is like Super Bowl Sunday because it just doesn't get bigger or better than this for us. We have incredible joy as we have multiple things to rejoice over and celebrate in that we give to give God great thanks for this day. For one, we get to celebrate and rejoice as you saw all of our kids. We have so many of them and we're thankful to God for them. There's something in the water at Seven Mile Road. They keep coming. Uh, and so we're so grateful to God for our first ever kids camp with the kids, and God was kind to us. And then specifically today, we have the great joy that we get to baptize six of the folks in the life of Seven Mile Road ch Church today. And for us, when we do that, there is so many different things to rejoice in and be glad for and give God thanks for. For example, one of the things that we get to celebrate today is obedience. Some of the folks who feel compelled and convicted towards baptism do so because of obedience and anytime God takes these crooked hearts of ours that are bent towards disobedience and turns them to actually submit with joy to Christ we rejoice in that we're glad for that because we know that didn't come from us and we celebrate that good work of God we rejoice in discipleship one of the things that we'll get to see and I hope encourages you today is one of our children are getting baptized and so the thought of mom and dad with their children and seeing their little one come to faith, I hope that's a huge encouragement to you because as I mentioned, we've got 80 of them or so. And so I hope that as you see a little one who's grown up and received Christ for themselves, it would bring great joy to your heart that there's be a, a part of your heart that goes, that's the day I'm longing for too when my son or daughter somehow also becomes my brother and sister in the Lord. Because that's the glorious thought, that this daughter of ours is now also a sister of ours in the Lord. And I hope that that just ignites in you again to get after gospel parenting and to raise your little ones in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. 
we get to celebrate new life today. And that's what we celebrate most of all in baptism, that there were six folks whose hearts were dead and dark and had no love for, thought for, or passion for Jesus Christ. And God, by his spirit, beat life into these chests of theirs. And now these, those same hearts that didn't have a thought for Christ, love Christ, are submitted to Christ, want to follow Christ, and want you all to know of their love for Christ. That is a glorious thing we get to celebrate. And we get to celebrate mission. Because one of the stories you'll also hear is, how does some of this happen? It's the way that we always talk about here. It's you who do know Christ living your life as a missionary for Christ. And so if you've ever been in that position where you know Jesus and your heart is racing fast at the thought of sharing Jesus with someone, you're in your office and how on earth can you tell your coworker about Jesus? I hope that the simple story you hear today would encourage you to know that's exactly what God does all the time. And God does it with common, ordinary people like us, and he still saves, and that's what we get to celebrate today. So rather than what, doing what we normally do, which is to preach from the scriptures and one man stand up and preach the whole time, today you'll get to hear from the six folks and some of the other folks who are pertinent to their stories who get to share with you. And our hope in doing that is that your hearts would be encouraged to hear Jesus actually does break through into people's lives and cause them to suddenly believe. And I hope you hear that and are encouraged by that. What I want to do for a quick moment is simply just frame our time with one thought. And that is that even as you hear them, this day has the potential to also serve you, to minister to you, to actually connect with your heart as well. There is no doubt that today will be a significant day for the six folks who are getting baptized. It is a meaningful day, a significant day. But I want to also commend to you and encourage you that today could be an equally meaningful day and a significant day for you as well. For example, if you're here and you are a Christian, you've trusted in Christ, you've identified with him in baptism, I, I want you to hear that you're not just a spectator, but this day is actually drawing you in to say you're a part of this. Now how? Let me give you an analogy. If you're at a wedding and you're a married person, and you go to a wedding, inevitably at some point during the day, whether it's at the service or during the ceremony or at the reception, some part of your mind is going to do what? It's going to race back to your wedding day, right? At some point, you're going to see this young couple and this new couple and their wedding day, and it's going to race back to what your wedding day was like. And, and you're going to think back to when you got into this relationship. And, and if you are wise, you'll let that day actually minister to you, serve you. How? There's a number of things that could happen. You, you could be sitting at that wedding, and you could see this young couple, their brand new relationship, sort of in puppy love, in their honeymoon phase, and you, 10 years in, you might be thinking to yourself, they have no idea what's coming, right? Yes, she looks great now, but watch what she looks like three mornings from now. Yes, he's kind to you now, but watch what he's like a year from now. I mean, you have no idea what you're in for, for. and yet, 10 years in, when you're sitting next to your spouse at a wedding, you are deeply grateful that you've been through all that you've been through and you're still together. The relationship you have is deeper. You know them better than you've ever known them before. And you are profoundly thankful for this relationship. Or maybe you're sitting at the wedding and you hear the vows being spoken again. And they sort of resonate with your heart. You hear words like in sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And maybe there's a stirring in your heart that reminds you, that's right, that's what we were called to. 
And maybe you grab your spouse's hand and squeeze it tighter to remember again, this is what we've been called to. Or, or maybe the day can even be filled with pain and grief. For some of us, we'll know that not everything panned out the way that you thought it would. And maybe there's a sense in which you've drifted and wandered, and the day has a way of calling you back. Well, listen, here, here's my point. This baptism day can be that same way for you if you're a Christian. That as you're watching these folks in their new relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a sense in which for some of us, this could bring about deep, profound thanksgiving to God. To say, I know what it was like to be there then, but I also know what it's like to have followed you now for 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. I know what it's like to have gone through the valley of the shadow of death with you and come out the other side and you're still here and I'm still here and there could be a profound thanksgiving in your heart towards Christ. There could also be a sense of recommitment for you as you hear again what the vows Christ has made to you and your vows to him are. There could even be a sense in which this day is a strong correction to you. You've wandered. And maybe this is a day where Jesus is saying, come back. Remember again this relationship. If you've left your first love, remember again the vows that I have made to you and you have made to me and come back home. It can be a deeply significant day for us. And listen, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, this day could be meaningful to you as well. Why? Because on the other hand, if you were to borrow my analogy for a moment, if you're a single person and you go to a wedding, well, the married folks inevitably look backwards. If you're single at a wedding, what you tend to do is you tend to dream forward. And you tend to start thinking about what my day will be like. What will it be like when I finally meet that person and the, the lover of my soul comes into my life and, and you begin to think about what that will be like. Well, this day is doing that same thing for you and saying, look, if you're on the outside of this looking in, this day is an invitation come in. The lover of your souls is right here. The one who not only till death do us part, who has died so that you would not part is here. And you can come to him today. Maybe you're here because you're just here to support a friend or because or your kid came to kids camp. But unexpected to you, this might be the day where Jesus actually calls you, come all the way in, commit. You see, what we're celebrating today is what we read in Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized have died with Christ and have been buried with him, and that by the glory of God, Jesus was raised, and so we too have been raised to newness of life. That's what we're celebrating today. Hear me. A picture is worth a thousand words. Well, God has given us a picture so that when we drive over to the river and you see these folks go into the water, you should be reminded that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He was dead and buried. And when you see them come out, you should remember that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He rose from the grave. And more so, it should also remind you, and that's by grace what happened to me. I too died to my old life and sin, and I was buried with Christ. And even as surely as you see the waters cover over their bodies, so surely has your sins also been washed and cleansed away. And as surely as they're lifted out of the waters, so surely have they resurrected to new life. That's the picture we get to celebrate today. And so for all of us, don't just be a spectator. Come all the way into this day with us. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn it over to the folks who are getting baptized and some of the folks who are part of their story. Hear with open ears. Don't just be a spectator. Let God speak to you even as you hear from them. So I'm going to invite first Dom and Diana to come with Serena.
Serena. The past two years, I went through a lot of changes, but the one changing present has been God and his love. Because of my love for him, I want to be baptized today. Thank you. Unlike her father, she's a lady of few words. <laughs> um, Jay asked me the other day, he said to me, Dom, would you want to share what it's like as a parent to have a child baptized? And uh, I didn't even give that a thought leading up to it, you know. And when he asked me, you know, I thought about it. I thought, wow, you know what, this is such a special moment, you know, because uh, me and Diane are parents of six kids. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm very emotional. Since I turned 40, I cry all the time. Before 40, I never cried. I don't know what, the, what happened. So, so anyway, um, yeah, we have six children. And, and, you know, we've seen the struggles of all six of our kids. And, you know, and as parents, you realize, you know, you raise them in the faith and you, and you plant the seeds and you, you, just, you just want with every fiber in your being for them to know the Lord because you know what that means. And, and the reality is they have to come to that reality themselves, you know what I mean? And um, that's, a, that's hard to watch sometimes because sometimes it doesn't come easily, you know what I mean? They have to go through their struggles and their valleys and they have to figure it out on, on their own, you know? And, uh, you know, ultimately it, it, it all depends on the Lord and his pulling and his drawing and whether they're going to respond to his invitation, you know what I mean? So with that being said, I thought to myself, the best way I could share my feeling is basically just to tell you a little bit about her and her journey the past two years. Because um, it's been like really inspiring to watch, you know. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I wrote a few, uh, just a few notes to kind of help me uh, go along here. Um, this has been a rough couple of years for our family, you know what I mean? And uh, her young life, she has experienced a lot of uh, loss and pain and, you know, uh, suffering. And, and the reality is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're up here celebrating, you know what I mean? And, and God is faithful, you know. Um, two years ago, my father was at my home for my birthday. And uh, me and him were walking out the door and he, he died in my arms. He had a heart attack, you know. And uh, <clears throat> it was like one of them times where with his death was sadness, but it was joy also because he spent the day with the family and he was struggling for years. But the, the reality of it, it was very traumatic for my family. We had a house full of kids and people. It was like something out of a movie, you know. And uh, with that, we seen a change in my daughter uh, with Serena afterwards, she became very preoccupied with um, diet and health, and, and she developed like a fear. And, and this translated into an eating disorder. And, and what happened was, like over a few months, we watched her go from like, you know, being a little chunky, cute girl to... <laughs> <laughs> she lost a lot of weight. Like, we woke up one day and she lost 20 pounds, and, and we were scared to death, you know what I mean? And with that being said, um, 
you know, who we, we drug her to the doctors, and then it was like, you know, diet, and we were on her daily, and, you know, and, and with God's help, she was able to get through that, you know what I mean? So in the midst of that struggle, we had um, our son, as a lot of people in our church know, and they walked alongside of us, um, we started to see a difference uh, going on with him and his behavior, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, we realized there was a problem there. And uh, years and years of warning and talking and awareness, it basically didn't seem to help, you know. And uh, the reality was he was headed head first into a heroin addiction. And he was 20 years old. And there wasn't a thing we could do about it. We'd seen it coming, and, and we just we, we struggled against it. And the reality was, like, it just took hold of him, you know. And uh, the household was like a mess. You know, the whole family was reacted. It was just terrible, you know, because <clears throat> it's like watching your kid drive over a cliff and you can't pull him back, you know. So uh, with that being said, we were going through that, and um, it really started to take off then. Uh, that whole year was just a struggle. It was a lot of tension, a lot of arguing, fighting, denial, confrontations, you know. And eventually what happened was uh, Serena was going in the seventh grade. He moved out of the house because we were demanding a change, you know. And uh, when we moved out of the house, she started struggling with uh, peer pressure. You know, middle school, uh, suburban school, uh, upper income you know, very materialistic, a lot of pressure. And the reality was we seen she was getting pulled all over the place. And one particular time, she uh, had trouble sleeping at night. And we couldn't understand what was going on. She wouldn't sleep. She was scared to death. She was asking me to stay in her room. And what came out, these friends that she was with for a long time, quite a few years, they were starting to kind of go the other way. And, and she told me she actually, the day watched a demonic horror film. She never was exposed to that. It freaked her out. Our uh, experience, basically, I took the, took the scripture and we, we read it and prayed it. And basically, I showed her where, you know what, uh, showed them the devil has no uh, dominion over us. You know what I mean? And the reality is, as believers, you have nothing to fear, you know? And it seemed to help her, you know? Um, with that being said, I can't say it enough, like watching a 12-year-old girl struggle with that peer pressure and the friends and the pressure in an environment where basically it's a non-Christian environment, and to watch her kind of rise above that was such a joy, because she had a good friend of hers, her best friend, who was actually handicapped, she, she suffers from cerebral palsy, and uh, this group of girls wanted Serena to exclude her from things. And uh, <clears throat> and you know, uh, for a father, I mean, it might sound trivial, but she said no. And uh, <clears throat> she chose not to do the right thing. And uh, the reality was that she had to deal with the consequences at school. And, uh, you know, 
you got called into the guidance office. These girls were going after her. It was just crazy, you know what I mean? And it's just the culture we live in. And this is, as Christians, what you're going to have to deal with. At some point, you're going to have to make a choice. And she made the choice, you know what I mean? And the reality was she stood firm. She stayed with it. And she sat alone, and she did what she had to do. And today, she's still best friends with this girl. And this was a couple years ago, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> So anyway, I'll try to shorten this up. I'm sorry if I'm taking too long. So um, anyway, she stood her ground, and she did the right thing. In the, in, the, in the meantime, she started attending a youth group. She asked me to take her out to buy her, her, a Bible, her own personal Bible. We had 19 Bibles in the house, but she needed her purple. She wanted a pink one. So we were fighting in Barnes & Noble. I'm saying, why don't we look at this translation? She says, I want the pink one, you know what I mean? So, all right. So and her mother's saying, give her the pink one, you know? Like, one of our kids wants a Bible. Give her the pink one. So, so anyway, that's what we did, and that's how that played out. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, my brother, who was worshiping with us for a season, a lot of you knew him, he died at 50 years old of uh, an overdose at 50 years old. And he struggled for years. And we had God blessed us with him for the last couple of years. Of, he was clean and he was back with the family. But again, it was another tragedy. You know, and my brother died and we, we were struggling through this. In the meantime, my son's addiction was getting worse and worse. He was starting to wind up in rehab, secular rehabs. And, and the whole fight and struggle and tears and that were going along with that was still going on in the midst of her life. And, you know, and the reality was... It was affecting her, you know. Um, our family dog died, who she was very attached to. We had to put her down, you know what I mean? It just was like one thing on top of the other. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we got the worst call in our life, you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, one night was me, Diane, and Serena were home, and we got a call that Frank was being rushed to the hospital. <clears throat> they said he, he was still breathing, but he was unresponsive. And uh, we had a decision to make. We had to get to the hospital. We didn't want to bring her because we didn't know what we were going to be experiencing there. We didn't know if he was dead or alive or what. And uh, we had to leave her there alone in the house, a dark house. And I'll never forget it, like that feeling of leaving her. And, and she was so broken on the bed. And it was just pain. And uh, that drive down to that hospital was like the darkest time in our lives. And uh, we walked in the door and he was up. And I went from complete brokenness to wanting to start beating the heck out of him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, apparently the paramedics told me that he was a minute away from death and they got to him and was able to give him the Narcon to bring him up and, uh, you know, and, and, like, all I have to say, like, is leading up to this, this kid started leaning on the Lord. And, you know, and the reality was, was my son, who was so dark for so many years, like, you couldn't tell him nothing. He basically chose a Christian program, and he's been living up in North Jersey for five months now clean. You know what I mean? And, uh, <clears throat> 
we're seeing such a change in him. It's just, it's only God's hand that could do this. You know what I mean? And it's been a miracle. And um, so in the midst of this, she shared with us one day her prayer journal. And in her journal, she um, basically showed us her depth of her faith for the past year. So when she asked us and, and, and voiced a desire to be baptized, we, we were all in on that. You know what I mean? So I just want to read um, her, her, her psalm that she picked out. And she told me the book of Psalms is, is her favorite. And I'll finish there. And I apologize again if I took too long. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. I'm just going to read, actually. So, Like many of you, I grew up in the church. I went to church every Sunday, prayed every night, and I read the Bible. I prayed a prayer I learned at Catholic school, read one, read one chapter a day, you know, no more and no less. But when I graduated Sunday school, I had a choice to continue and go to our youth group. My friends and I instead chose to just hang out <clears throat> and really do nothing during Sunday school. We talked, sometimes we watched TV, you know, we ate donuts, that was about it. I really realized at that point that I didn't think I needed a relationship with Jesus. I had strong moral convictions, but that was rooted in what people thought about me, not getting into trouble and not because I loved Jesus. My life changed when I went to college. <clears throat> My first year, I had this really bad asthma attack where I almost died. I remember on the first day back home, I was really struggling to try to understand why this would happen to me. I picked up the Bible and found this passage that basically says, God puts us through difficult situations so we can change our ways. I really felt like God was directly speaking to me on that day. Right around the same time, I met a bunch of people from the youth group in our church that for some reason took an interest in me and wanted to see me change. They showed how there really was joy in knowing God and not the boring routine I had thought it was. They really cared for me even though I was a lot younger than them and not related in any way. They treated and loved me like a brother. Looking back, I really see how God orchestrated the whole thing, this whole time in my life, so I could change. It wasn't by accident that I had this asthma attack around the same time I met this group of people from the youth group. He had different plans for me, and I continue to live under that same grace that was shown to me that day I believed. I've had a lot of ups and downs since then, struggled with a lot of different sin, but I know that I've been forgiven and continued to grow. So why get baptized today, 20 years later? I've been struggling, this for, struggling with this for a long time, especially since 
We did not baptize our kids. I realized recently that I am a person who always looks for loopholes instead of obedience to God. A lot, of my, a lot of times I could talk myself out of obedience by making excuses. You know, it's not the right time. Maybe I'll get another chance. Maybe I'll get another opportunity to talk to that person about Christ. And in this case, it's been so long since I believed, you know, what would it mean right now? You know, would I be just checking a box? I realized here again I was just looking for a loophole. I didn't, I didn't like what the implications could be, and I didn't want to deal with it. <clears throat> I knew the truth about Jesus calling us to baptism after we believe, but I was still looking for a way out. I always want to take the easier road. I hope today is just the start of more days where I will choose obedience. So today, I'm going to get baptized. everyone. Uh, totally nervous to do this, so I'm just going to read myself, so hope it's okay. I've been waiting to get baptized for nine years now since we decided not to baptize our kids. So funny how throughout the time, nine years ago and even last year, we were going to do this, but timing didn't work out. Um, and this year, my testimony has changed. I grew up in a typical Indian household with great parents who did everything. Well, I didn't expect to cry, okay? <laughs> Um, okay. I grew up in a typical Indian household. Great parents who did everything for me and my brother. Oh. Um, and loved us unconditionally and brought us to church and Sunday school in a Christian household. Sorry, give me a minute. For me, church is a social place to hang out with friends and a check mark for tradition and routine not about God at all. I was a typical teenager who didn't care about anything but myself or anyone but myself. At the age of 15, I went to church, I went to a church conference mainly to hang out with friends. This is where God had other plans. Hearing the speaker and worship, God changed my heart and I accepted him. I wanted the joy I saw in those who led the conference. I knew that joy was from accepting and believing in God and being forgiven by God by God. I wanted that. After that conference, I couldn't get enough of the Bible and spending my time with them, although, not, although still not knowing truly what it means to love him and have him love me. At the age of 17, 18, I met Joey, and he continued to challenge me in my faith. God continued to show me through life experiences on how to truly trust him. A few months after we got married, we got pregnant, and I lost that baby. We went... We went, through, we went through a long time waiting to get pregnant again and multiple doctor's appointments. This was the toughest time in our lives. This desire almost took over my life. When I finally gave it up fully to Christ, he blessed us with three beautiful kids. God is good. And then came this year when God threw another wrench at me and I was diagnosed with, th oh gosh. Can I <laughs> with thyroid cancer this January. Long story short, after surgery and short radiation, I was happy to say that I'm fine and God is good again. 
And those two are just two experiences that show me in a huge way how wonderful and amazing God is. He, I'm still a major work in progress and continues to fall into deep sin of anger and anxiety, just to name a few. He carries me through life, blesses me beyond what I deserve, and loves me more than I can love myself or anyone in this world. This is the reason why I want to get baptized. Mike Biscocho. Uh, I've been in Seven Mile Road Church for over a month now. Um, I guess I'll just read what I have here and probably add a few things here and there. Um, before I start, just so that to give you a quick background on why I wrote this this way, I just wanted to thank uh, or, or applaud an addition. Uh, we've already applauded her earlier, Serena, for being such a strong young woman. Um, you see, when, when I was your age, I was the other one. Um, I, I actually was the one on the other side of that fence. And instead of helping other, uh, others be closer to God, I was actually the one that were pulling them away. And uh, it's because of peer pressure. And I wasn't just one of them. I was actually the, the ringleader of that. And uh, I'm sure... I, I did such a great job at that time that I pulled away a few people, and forever I'll be asking God for forgiveness on that. Kind of odd on how things turned out a little bit uh, now that I'm older, but um, you know, you're, you're, it just shows on how um, you're such a an, a, a mature uh, woman to be able to young woman rather to be able to 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 choose the uh, to choose God out of out of you know what the, the prayer pressures that we currently have uh, and fortunately you know with with years on it had it had never improved it's still the same culture over and over again so I'll start now uh, I've always been a curious um, I've always been curious about my faith I was born in a devout Catholic home and was baptized as a child but because I never really understood why I am a Christian, I never fully appreciated my faith. I did have a good relationship with God, and I often talked to him, even as a child. And even when I was doing that, I actually did have a good relationship with him. So I actually was just not showing my true colors, I guess. I was not true to myself. But my understanding of Jesus was almost non-existent to a point that I resented his name. I often talk to God, but deliberately omitted Jesus whenever I talk to God, to him. I never really knew who he was. Just to give you a quick example, I, uh, I went to a Catholic school, so every time there is an answer sheet and I had to write Jesus Christ as the answer, I would deliberately put God. And I know that I'd get it wrong, but I was so happy to do that. And shame on me. Um... Because of Jesus' absence in my Christian living life, uh, Christian living, my religious foundation was not as solid, which led me to joining several non-Christian organizations. An example of that was the Soko Gakkai, as well as the Church of Scientology, in which I was a member for more than one year. 
In a way, Scientology brought me back to Christianity as my experience with them made me run back and I ran quick <laughs> to the Catholic Church. It's a bad experience. Unfortunately, my return to the church did not satisfy my desire to learn more about my faith. But I figured if I keep going on Sundays and get more involved, eventually I will get something out of it, right? If you keep going, you get something. I guess that's not how the case was. On December 2012, I traveled to UAE, the United Arab Emirates, when I was suddenly approached by a Muslim brother. Through a casual conversation, he was able to find out that my background is, or my origin is Filipino, which he stated, well then, I'm guessing you're a Catholic. And I proudly answered, yes I am, and I'm a devout one. Out of curiosity, and I guess to challenge my faith a bit, he asked me about my faith and compared the similarity between the two uh, beliefs, uh, between Islam and Christianity. And unfortunately, I was just there sitting with the lack of knowledge about my faith, it made me a non-participant, which is quite rare, because I do talk a lot, that's why I wrote this. If I'm briefing something, I'll just go on and on forever. And it bothered me a lot. I went home to the US and couldn't figure out what to do, basically. I'm like, should I just go to church or should I do something else? The sense of being unsure about my faith made me very uncomfortable, so I started looking for avenues to learn about Christianity. I looked at my previous church as well as the Christ other Christian denominations, but this did not satisfy my need. I guess what I was really looking for is like some guidance and I never really had it. I continued my search for some guidance and started feeling that maybe I should do an independent study, just like the thesis that I was trying to complete that time. at that time. I was about to start this independent endeavor when suddenly my sister passed away in March Of this. Sorry. March of this year. Her passing made me question my relationship with God. It made me very angry. It really did. You see, my sister was a very good Christian. She was actually the one that I used to look to look up to. She helped many people in her community in Santa Rosa, California, uh, to become more closer to God by forming these prayer groups, which I thought was cute at that time, and I didn't really know what the reason for that was. But, you know, she did it. So I thought, why would God take someone that can be instrumental to spreading his word? To me, it didn't make sense, and to me, it wasn't fair. By the middle of April of 2014, I figured I had to make a decision. Either I leave and stop communicating with God completely and abandon my faith, or what really was left of it, or find out why this, all of these things are happening, especially her being taken from us. For some reason, I chose the latter. Because I figured, they always say God works in mysterious ways, but by that time, I did not have the strength nor the desire to even continue my independent study. So I again went out there and looked for groups that can help me. And that's when, you know, it's funny. When you ask, you actually get something. 
Um, and that's when I get a knock on my door one afternoon when I was working from home. And there's these two nice ladies, and they said, that, you know, we're here to talk to you about God and Jesus Christ. And I said, yeah, come right in. Me living in the middle of, you know, uh, a busy intersection in South Philly, that's, you know, kind of not what you used to, you should be doing. I had a great conversation with them and even invited them back. With the new knowledge that I have acquired from them, I, quickly, I was quickly eager to talk to others about what I've just discovered, but I noticed that I had no friends that I can talk to about these things. And I have friends here, obviously, and it's not because I can't talk to you guys. I can talk to you about everything. But again, with what I used to, uh, my, my background as, as, as a young kid, I didn't think it was cool to talk to others about God and Jesus Christ. So I thought, why talk to my friends? Maybe I was afraid to shoo him away. I guess my emotional maturity wasn't, um, wasn't there yet, and I still have to work on that. But I do remember one of my friends, Mike Bowder. There he is, right, right there in the back, <laughs> telling me that he was praying for me when my sister passed away. This, by the way, was new and unusual to me. I didn't, I didn't honestly think that he'd actually pray for me. I just thought that this is what people usually say when someone lost a loved one, because I have gone to funerals and said, I'll pray for you, and I went home and never did. So I thought, and I've seen some other people do it as well. I thought it's just a comforting word. But whenever we talked or texted, we would continue, he would continuously tell me that he's praying for me, so, which surprisingly made me feel better. Um, and I remember this nice gesture, so I decided to call him and I said, well, you know, I have these people that are coming into my house and, uh, you know, I just kind of needed some validation. I, I figured he knows more. Uh, am I going the right path? And this is when he invited me to GCM after hearing, of course, that I've been entertaining these people. That Wednesday evening, I went to GCM with the intention of just going to a Bible study. I was worried that he'll ask me to go to church on Sunday, um, and I had a list of, of excuses that I could <laughs> tell him on why I shouldn't be on there on Sunday. And besides, Sunday is one of my most um, uh, busiest time of my week. That's when I socialize. Um, which, you know, just to, 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 to sidestep a bit, I had a, a um, I, I, before he, he left on rotation for DC, I actually asked him if he could talk to me about my issue of, 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 sun, of, of having the Sunday schedule, because at my old church, if I can't make it at 10 o'clock, I can go at 12. If I had, you know, a little bit too much fun on Saturday, I could even go a little later and probably go to St. Joe's where there is a later mass. Basically, God wasn't a priority. And Jesus was never a priority at all at that time. Um, I was treating it like a movie theater, so a check mark. But GCM, it, it, was, it was a good, good evening, actually. I, I, was, I, I was able to participate that first evening, and I even invited myself to church. I said, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday. And they said, it's 10 o'clock, all right. 
It was my second Sunday attending Seven Mile Church when a class on baptism was held upstairs. Within the two weeks of attending church, I have came into terms with my issues and uh, and accepting Jesus Christ's name. It was actually through one of the songs, and I wish I remembered which one it was, during service that made me very comfortable with him. And for some reason, my walls and resentment all came crashing down. Um, for some reason, suddenly I was just saying, Jesus Christ, that it was good. Um, you know, it used to irk me to say that. So I went to baptism class, and after discussing with the group that were here, and I just want to say thank you, by the way, for, 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 for talking to me, because um, I was, although everything was going at 100 miles per hour, I didn't know still where, where, to, where to go. Um, I didn't know if this is something, I get excited a lot, so I didn't know if this was temporary. You know, if you've seen the list of organizations that, I, that I've joined, th- this might be just one of them. And, and I, I'm glad that, 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 that it, it's not, and, and I figured that, not I figured, but this is my way of showing that I'm very committed uh, to God and to Jesus Christ and to my faith. So, yeah, I've decided that I would like to get baptized to show my complete surrender to him and my acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is indeed my Savior, which I never did before. My acceptance of Jesus Christ with the help and guidance of Pastor Jay, he knew, Mike, my GCM sisters and brothers, have made me more aware of the daily actions to make sh- and to make sure that I am living a good Christian life. I know, and I, I, I now know, um, oh, I know that I'm not perfect, and I do make lots of unwise decisions still, but at least I have the goal now on how to be a good, how to be good to others through Christ. Accountability, I guess, is the word for that. I've always wanted to make sure that everything I do is for the greater glory of God, and even by, with, back then, I, I, did, I always did say that, um, except for this time, I actually mean it. And I hope that through Jesus Christ's teachings and examples, I can serve him by serving others and by serving you. Thank you. I'm the guy in the back. <laughs> um, Mike uh, really, I mean, pretty, pretty much touched on everything I was going to say. Um, I want to just make a few uh, remarks about my relationship with him. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a book called uh, An Unexpected Journey, The, the Hobbit. So, uh, The Hobbit's Tale. This is, this is Mike's tale, An Unexpected Journey. Um, we, we met, you know, at work about two years ago, and you know, just started hanging out together and, and uh, running together and uh, doing all sorts of stuff together. When, when Mike talked about his sister passing away, and uh, as God would have it, we actually uh, crossed paths in the airport. I was going with my uncle out, out to the Midwest, and he was going up to California, and uh, just had a time to really, you know, just talk for a minute and... and um, you know, I, I, I feel like I was more reassured that he was going to be okay, but I think I was able to minister to him, you know, as a, as a friend at that point. Um, 
I reached out to him with scripture and promises of uh, prayer, uh, like, like he said. Uh, I knew that God wanted me to keep looking after my friend, and uh, this was easy to do because he received it so well. Um, you know, Mike is a type of person who is, is almost always smiling and uh, never wanted to burden other people, um, just, just, you know, is always, uh, always up, optimistic and upbeat. I uh, invited him to G GCM, and, and uh, that went well, and um, he met a, you know, a number of the people here, and uh, we, we hung out offline and you know, went to uh, Franklin Fountain one night with a couple people and, and did some other things together. So he was getting to know, you know more people at the church, which helped me out because I could spread the blame around uh, <laughs> for, for everything. And then he invited himself to church, and that's when... That's when, like, you know, the rubber met the road for me because it, it, was, it, was, it was him coming to church, seeing me in this element, seeing a whole building full of other crazy people, too. But, you know, seeing me as who I really am, you know, as a child of God, as a, as a, a son of, of, of God. Um, so I was nervous, and, uh, you know, I just wasn't sure how it would go in, in a day of moral relativism and, and, and freelance theology. I just wasn't sure where he was exactly coming from and, and, and how he would take it, but we spoke afterwards and, and it went well and he came back and came back again and it was the second Sunday um, when the unexpected happened, when he went to that, that baptism class and, and I think Dan, Daniel took him up to the class, uh, walked him up and it's where, you know, started asking the questions about personal relationship with Jesus. And I remember, um, I think, Jay coming downstairs and saying, I think, Mike just, I think Mike just got saved. I think he just accepted Jesus as a Savior. And I have to confess, immediately skepticism you know, came into my mind. And I, and I hope I'm connecting with uh, all of the other people here, not, not necessarily the six. I mean, speaking to everybody, but everybody else in here you know, who, who is a son or a daughter of, of the Lord. Because... Uh, the skepticism came in, and, and, I, and I had to fight against that, and we prayed against it, and we continue to fight and pray against it. I'd never seen something like this happen firsthand. I, I've known people who have had a radical change in their lives and who have, have had their you know, come-to-Jesus moment. We really mean it, though. So this was, this was, this was tough, but... Okay. This was tough, but um, I had to trust God. So uh, he mentioned uh, the thing about his sister, and, and I drew alongside of him then. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was going through my own you know, very difficult time uh, with, with some things in my life. And, uh, and I, was, I was down in Virginia for work. I'm still down there, away from home, away from church, away from uh, the familiarity of, of life. And um, we exchanged a couple emails uh, with him and also some other coworkers who were very gracious and dear and comforting and um, Mike just said I'm coming down and he took uh, two or three days off from work he showed up uh, that night Tuesday night and uh, we went out together and, and uh, I just talked and talked and talked and talked and and just felt a weight come off of my shoulders and and Mike didn't you know Mike didn't have anything profound to say he didn't have you know chapter and verse of here is God's comfort and hope for you and grace and mercy but he was a he was a tangible 
friend, you know, who was there with, with both of his ears wide open. And that ministered to me so incredibly much, you know, in a time where I had, I had no one uh, down there. So, you know, we move from relationship to friendship. We get to know somebody. We get to know what's, what's going on in their lives. We get to know what is hurting about them. And we come alongside them, and we, we, we tell them what we're going to pray for them, and we do really do. And then we give them some scripture, and, and we don't just give them the scripture and leave them alone, but we give them the scripture and say, this is what it means, and, and here's what it can mean for you. So I am, uh, I steal a phrase from my uncle, just so godly proud of Mike and of, of our relationship and friendship and now brotherhood. Um, there is, there is a God who can uh, give us the strength and the power and the patience and the peace and the understanding to talk to our friends, uh, maybe even our own flesh and blood, our neighbor, and, and to tell them about the Jesus who is so personal and so close to us. There isn't a, a word in the English language that can describe how close us he really is. Um, so it is a, it's just, I can't even say, you know, no word to describe how, how joyful this is, how, how amazing this is, how wonderful this is. So I just encourage you all to, to keep praying for Mike and the, and the others. And, and to, um, I guess my whole, my whole point you know, in, in saying this is to encourage you. Uh, you never know how the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. You never know how the Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. And, uh, and that's just what God did. So um, praise the Lord for this. This is just an incredible, incredible day that we have together. Hello. Um, hi, my name's Suja, and um, I'm probably going to read off of this and add a few things. Okay. The day I welcomed our Father God and our Savior Jesus Christ into my heart was the day he literally saved my life. You see, my life prior to this wonderful occasion was a dark and dismal one because I lived with bipolar disorder. Due to this illness, my life was full of sin, struggles, and merciless pain. There were the high days where I was hyped and excited about life, but I made poor and sinful decisions then there were the low days where I cried, wouldn't get out of bed, self-harmed on multiple occasions, and made several attempts to end my life. My moods changed like the weather. It was unpredictable and cycled rapidly. And because my mood was unpredictable and cycled rapidly, the Christian faith I grew up with as a child was weak and fleeting. I was either an atheist, agnostic, or attempting a relationship with our Father God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the devil was truly an influence in my life. So I want to say that I can um, relate with the other individuals that came up, with, came up here. Um, those who are familiar with my dad and how sick he was, um, he was in hospice, and he, thanks to God, is still alive. <laughs> and um, he was very ill, and... He has brain damage and is very confused and uh, has Alzheimer's now. And prior to all of, prior to, to coming to Christ um, and accepting him into my heart, I questioned God. 
about why this would happen to him, why this would happen to our family. And I'm I was struggling really a lot. And I want to say that I'm quite happy and excited to say that our Father God and our Savior Jesus Christ was unrelenting with his amazing love. The day I welcomed him into my heart was glorious because, to be honest, it was a day I was ready to die, and he saved me. This is when my life, I'm sorry, I messed up. <laughs> my mind was raging with depression and loneliness, and I cried out with all my heart to be saved by somebody and anybody. And that's when I had the epiphany that only our Father God and our Savior Jesus Christ can rescue me from the abyss. And that's when I cried out with all of my being for him to save me. This is when my life was forever changed, and all because he was steadfast in his unconditional love for me. Now, as a born-again Christian and pursuing the most incredible relationship with our Father God and our Savior Jesus Christ, I can honestly say that I am managing the bipolar disorder a bit better. I am not saying I am cured, but I am saying that with his guidance and through prayer, I am making better decisions. I have love for myself because he loves me unconditionally regardless of my sins. I have self-worth and compassion for myself because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he is most compassionate to me despite being a sinner. When I am distraught and during desperate times, I feel its presence surrounding me. I have been set free of my burdens because he has relieved me of them. I can view the world in a better light and enjoy all the blessings he has provided. All of this is possible because I found true love and peace, and all of it was given to me by him. I can only thank our Father God and our Savior Jesus Christ, for he is awesome and almighty, and he has finally saved me. And I have to say that I am truly blessed with an awesome mom, dad, sister, daughter, and husband. So I'm starting to see that. Thanks to God. Well, good morning. Um, I know many of you don't know me. My name is Sajan. Um, and just to let you know, I, I grew up in a Christian family. And... Uh, for many years, you know, I lived in a home where even if I was violently sick, we still went to church. Um, and, you know, in my childhood, I always thought I was good. And there was nothing about me that was bad. So why wouldn't I go to heaven? Well, one weekend, I went to a high school retreat for my church. And this is just for my church and other affiliated churches. And, you know, I wasn't really spirit-led to go to this church. I was more female-led to go to this, uh, to this event. Um, I guess we'll talk about this later, honey. Um, <laughs> but I, I had other priorities in mind. I needed to find a girlfriend, or I needed to make more friends, whatever it may be. But, you know, I, I didn't have anything in my mind about Jesus, about God, about salvation, words I just did not understand. Well, it was the last night of the retreat, and I remember that one of our chaperones, who actually happens to be in this room today, um, just gathered all of us from uh, our youth group together. And I'm thinking, come on, man. The evening programs are over. I need to talk to people, not to you. I don't need to pray right now. Well, all I know is that there wasn't anything special he said. He just started to pray for us. 
and just started to pray for each one of us. And all I know is that there was a stirring in my heart. I didn't quite understand it at first, but I just started to cry. And I realized at that moment, Christ light showed me that I truly wasn't good enough. I need to be redeemed before God, and I couldn't, I couldn't meet that. Well, um, at that moment, I realized that Jesus had already done it for me. So, July 29th, 1995, I took the leap of faith and received Jesus in my heart. And, you know, I remember one of the things that somebody first told me was like, that's, that's cool, man. We'll see how long this will last, you know. Well, praise the Lord, he's seen me since then. He's always been faithful. His faithfulness is new every morning. Um, now, that was a long time ago. And I want to say that everything was happily ever after, but it wasn't. You know, I continue, continue to have my relationship with Jesus, but I truly didn't understand him because I wasn't reading his word. I was kind of molding this Jesus into some idol that I wanted him to be. And, um, you know, it's just because I didn't know anything about him. Well, about 10 years ago, I moved out of my parents' house and then started going to a Bible teaching church. It was then my eyes would open to see that I, that I really didn't know my Savior as much as I thought I did. And since then, I have walked close with him, have ran from him, and have found him carrying me through this side of life. You know, I never did get baptized because I thought, hey, you know what? My, my faith is, uh, and my life is an exclamation as to that I want to follow Jesus. And I, I didn't think I had to do it. Well, um, today, 19 years later, I publicly declare that I am dead to myself and alive in Christ. And I know I have so far to go, but I know the Lord is with his children, and I am reminded of this verse every time. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that what we have heard over and over again is we are great sinners, but you are a great Savior. And we do give you thanks together for that. We pray that you would flood our hearts with immense joy at the thought of a God who does love broken and imperfect people and gets into every bit of their life and redeems them for himself and makes them brand new. Today we celebrate that through you, with repentance and faith and even in baptism, we have died with Christ, we have been buried with Christ, and we have been resurrected with Christ. Come show us this through the sacraments of baptism and communion, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.